Thank you, Kino, and welcome, everyone. It's really nice to have you on our program again today. It's a joy to be with you after a couple of weeks' absence. We spent uh, two weeks in uh, Tampa for uh, vacation with my daughter, Dr. Cindy Lee. She is a professor in one of the universities over there, and we had a wonderful time. We uh, thank you for our prayers during that particular time. Now, today we have an exciting uh, time for you again as we look into the Word of God because we are approaching, or in fact we are in the Christmas season and so our minds are directed and focused once again toward that miraculous event we call the Incarnation. That wonderful, awesome time when God became man while remaining to be a God and perfectly man. What a wonderful, what a fantastic event that was and we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about and trying to answer the question, was Jesus' birth really a miracle? Separating the sacred from the secular in this very commercialized time of the year. But we also want to focus a little bit and, uh, on a tremendous evangelistic outreach that will be taking place tomorrow. That's Friday. And from 7, uh, I'm sorry, from 8 from 4 p.m. to midnight. I'm confusing this with something else that's going on. From 4 p.m. to midnight tomorrow at Arawaki. Tremendous evangelistic outreach. It's called Passion Fest 2005. It's actually uh, being produced by uh, the folk from Operation Mobilization. Uh, you remember that uh, we've had their big ships come into our port for several years. I think we had both the Dulos and the Logos visit. I'm, I'm not quite sure, but they're planning to come in again next year as well. But this is a particular evangelistic outreach planned for tomorrow, 4 p.m. to midnight. That's Friday, December the 9th. And it's free admission. Now, we are going to be speaking to uh, an individual who has a very important part in this particular event, and we'll... Um, introduce you to him uh, in a few moments so we want you to call your young people around the phone if you want because we're going to give you an opportunity to call in if you'd like to ask questions about this event and um, our numbers here I'll let Kino give you the numbers again so you'll be ready to call in and Kino will be making that call right now and right after this uh, short break with Kino giving you the information we will be speaking with Mr. Stephen Baldwin, uh, he is a, an actor actually who has come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and he's been doing a tremendous work in sharing the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in a unique way and we'll let him share that as soon after we come back here. Okay, we're waiting for a, a proper connection here with a, a special interview we are going to be having with actress Stephen Baldwin, who is uh, participating in this evangelistic outreach tomorrow on Arawaki. It's called Passion Fest, and they have quite a lineup for young people especially. The time is from 4 p.m. to midnight, no admission fee, 
will be charged for this spectacular event. Some of the musical talent that will be um, be uh, performing at this particular event include Cross Movement and our own Christian Massive here as well, and have a special guest, Sarah Kelly. Michelle Bonillo will also be a part of the program, and of course, Stephen Baldwin will be uh, sharing his testimony as well. He is involved with a tremendous ministry amongst young people uh, that is called Skateboard Ministry, and he will be sharing with us as well. We're just waiting to get that all uh, arranged as far as our hookup is concerned. But now, I will be talking with you when we when we finish with this interview on the subject of the uh, virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I've named the little talk that I have this afternoon uh, in the form of a question. I'm asking the question, was Jesus' birth really a miracle? You know, some people still deny that, believe it or not. Would it surprise you, for instance, if I gave you the answer to this question, no, Jesus' birth was not a miracle? Would that surprise you? I'm sure it would. But that's my answer nonetheless. You see, it was not his birth that was the miracle, but rather it was his conception, not his actual birth. You see, I believe that it is this failure to specifically distinguish between his conception within the womb of the Virgin Mary and his birth that has made it so difficult for us to separate the sacred from the secular and the holy from the profane during the Christmas season. Because of this, we tend to miss the true essence of the Christmas event altogether. We miss the mystery of the incarnation of the Son of God, the greatest and most magnificent event ever to occur on the face of this planet. And that's my purpose during this message today, is to direct your attention to this magnificent, awesome event of the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the reason for the season. The incarnation, the coming into the earth of God as a man on that first Christmas so long ago. But you know, we tend to treat Christmas as just another birthday party, another celebration that focuses on the fun experiences of those invited to the party, rather than focusing on the person who's been celebrated. It's important for us to understand, I say again, that this is not a holiday. This is a holy day. This is a day we focus not upon ourselves, but rather upon the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I believe that the mystery and the awesomeness of the incarnation is well illustrated in a story by a doctor of an event that occurred during his time in college. Let me just read this event. Perhaps this will, uh, th this will help us to focus on what we are talking about when we talk about the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the doctor writes, quote, From my college days, I remember one dramatic scene. A female patient was on the operating room table just going under for her operation. A hundred medical students, interns and nurses watched with bated breath as the chief surgeon started what he was going to do. There was a classical case of ovarian tumor, he said, and he was going to remove it. In the process of establishing his diagnosis, other diseases had been considered, such as tuberculosis, 
disease of the intestines, liver, and of the kidneys and the urinary bladder as well. All of them had been discarded. The present case was almost a textbook description of a tumor of the uterus, probably benign. As the students and junior surgeons watched, the doctor made his incision with his usual flourish. He marveled at the certainty of his every move, at the purposeness of his every step. To us, that chief surgeon seemed the epitome of medical knowledge, the man who could not make a mistake, neither in diagnosis nor in surgical technique. But then after working for just a few moments, he suddenly stopped. There was a hurried conference between him and his assistant. With a motion of his hand, he stopped everything that was going on. He gave a command to his assistant to get off his stool and leave the operating room. He left with him. It remained for the assistant to close the wound and terminate the day's lesson. Facing us, he spoke three words. Diagnosis, normal pregnancy. Isn't that amazing? Diagnosis, normal pregnancy. Mary, my friends, or let me put it this way, not Mary, but many regard the birth of Jesus Christ in the same way. Normal pregnancy. But my friends, that's a major mistake of a diagnosis. Mary's pregnancy was not a normal one at all. I'm sure that some of you have heard the name Harry Emerson Fosdick. He was a leading liberal theologian and churchman of his generation. And he accused the gospel writers of recording the account of Jesus' birth in terms of a biological miracle that our modern minds cannot in any way comprehend. He, as is true of many other leading liberal churchmen of the day, for instance, a recent head bishop of one of the major traditional denominations in the United Kingdom, he publicly and readily denied the very concept and possibility of a virgin birth. Now this, is, this was, he is not thankfully any longer ahead of this major Protestant denomination. But he was at the time, and he made an amazing statement that he could not believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Following such secular philosophers as uh, this man we mentioned here recently here, Harry Emerson Fosdick, he came to the conclusion that the pregnancy of Mary was only a normal pregnancy. You see, they define a miracle as a violation of natural law. This kind of argument goes along these lines. Since, according to natural law, virgin births do not occur in our day, neither did they occur in the past, no matter what anybody says, even the gospel writers. That's the position. Now, technically, of course, as I've already said, when we say virgin birth, we actually mean virgin conception. Because actually, Jesus' birth or delivery into the world was just like any other baby's birth or delivery. The miracle, I say, lay in his conception within the womb of his mother, a virgin called Mary.
But nonetheless, let me ask this question concerning these men who and women who want to oppose the virgin birth. Are these claims valid in any way at all? Well, believe it or not, the answer is yes and no. Yes, in that virgin birth do in fact occur today. But no, when it said that it did not happen in the past. It did, but only once. And that's what makes the conception of Jesus unique. He was the first, final, and only person ever to be born of a woman who was a virgin before conception as well as afterwards until she had relations with her husband Joseph sometimes later. And she, my friends, was not artificially inseminated. Remember that. You see, some argue this point today because of artificial insemination now. Virgins can give birth through these means. And of course, that's true. But remember now, artificial insemination was not available in Mary's day. What happened to Mary happened instantaneously without any kind of human intervention whatsoever. In fact, if God had not revealed it to her and to Joseph, they would never have known when or how Mary became pregnant. As far as they would have been concerned, to use the words of another famous character, Jesus would have just grown up. But we're going to pause now. I think we have uh, a final connection now with our special guest on this program. Are we ready, Kino? Hello, Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Hey, good evening. How are you? Doing very well, thank you. Fantastic. Welcome to the Bahamas. It's a pleasure to have you here. Oh, it's, uh, it's a privilege to be here. Is this your first time in the Bahamas? No, I was here many, many years ago uh, for the opening of the Atlantis Hotel. Oh, you were there for that grand opening. Wasn't that a tremendous event? Yes, it was very, very memorable. Okay. Well, Stephen, what we'd like for you to do uh, is to tell us why you are here and what is it that is planned for Passion Fest tomorrow. And we'd also like for you, if you have the time, to share a little bit concerning uh, your testimony, how you came to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Uh, we want our folk, I think most of our folk know that uh, Stephen, Stephen Baldwin is an actor and uh, he's appeared in uh, many films, uh, both Christian and non-Christian. And so we want you to share a little bit of your testimony as well, if possible, Stephen. But tell us a little bit, first of all, what's happening tomorrow at Passion Feast, uh, at Passion Fest, and who will be some of the people participating? Starting at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, very, very casual, we're going to have some extreme skateboarders, with uh, DJ Counselor, who is one of the more popular DJs here in the area, uh, doing some music and a skateboard demonstration. This will be the beginning of something that came up very, very quickly in the last eight weeks, uh, a festival idea called Passion Fest. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the idea really is for that are part of a ministry that I work with called Livin' It, which is an offshoot ministry 
of the Luis Palau Association. Right. I'm familiar with that. I've, I've seen some of that, in fact, uh, on TV. He, he's done something in Florida, hasn't he, on the beaches there? Yeah, he's done a very large festival in March of 2003 uh, for 300,000 people over two days. Uh, this is a festival model that takes two years in preparation to do and brings together over 1,000 churches to prepare. Uh, and it was at this festival in March 2003 that I th saw them using skateboarders to do outreach to the youth culture with the message of the good news. Okay. And this is what has now developed into my own ministry with the Palau Association. Um, so we're bringing this ministry to the Bahamas, and tomorrow, starting at 4, at the uh, Arua Key location, the fish fry location here in Nassau, uh, I just learned how to say this, Arawaki, by Arawaki, the way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a little bit difficult for me to learn at first. <laughs> You're doing okay. But, You're doing uh, okay. a lot of the locals uh, recognize this spot to be very popular. Yes. And then we will do, uh, uh, after 6 o'clock, we will have uh, Christian Massive will be performing, along with another amazing worship artist named Sarah Kelly. And then later in the evening, we will have uh, a very powerful Christian hip-hop group called The Cross Movement performing. Okay. I see here also uh, another uh, artist here, Michelle Bonilla. Is that her name? I'm not familiar with her. Who is she? Do you know her? Who, Sarah Kelly? No, Michelle Bonilla. Yeah, Michelle Bonilla. Bonilla, okay. An R&B recording artist that is signed to... The cross movement record label she will be like an opening act for the cross movement i see okay terrific terrific well um stephen can you tell us just a little bit how you came to place faith in christ yes um uh about 13 years ago i was living in tucson arizona doing a, a television program for the abc network uh, called The Young Writers. It was a television show that was on weekly about the Pony Express. Remember that? Uh, I was living there doing the show with my new wife, and uh, about a year later, uh, we had the birth of our first daughter, and my wife is from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and she uh, went ahead and hired... Uh, uh, a nanny housekeeper to be a part of working with us who she found through her family connections back in Brazil. Uh, and a woman who was about 55 years old named Augusta came from Brazil to live with us in Arizona to work with us. Uh, and she was a very interesting, very humble woman. And for the first week that she was living and working in our house. She only spoke Portuguese with my wife. But she was always singing in Portuguese about Jesus Christ. Literally every song she would sing all day long always had a mention of Jesus. So after a week of this, my wife came to me and said, you know, you don't speak the language, but have you noticed 
Augusta's singing, to which I um, was quite honest with her, and I said, no, honey, not, not really. And she said, well, she's always singing about Jesus, and I'm just wondering, why is it she sings every song about Jesus? So after a few more days, she approached her and, and, and asked her this question, why, why every song? Well, you know, maybe there's some other traditional Brazilian songs that you know, and I'm just curious, why is it that I hear you singing only about Jesus? And the woman had a very interesting reaction. She, she started to laugh. Uh, and my wife thought this reaction was a little strange and asked her, you know, what was so funny? And Augusta quickly apologized and realized that maybe my wife might have been insulted. And she said, you know, please, Mrs. Baldwin, I mean no disrespect, but um, I reacted this way because I'm very happy that you noticed my singing. And uh, I'm very excited that you asked me my question. And uh, she said, again, no disrespect, but I just think it's uh, a little bit funny that you think that I'm here just to help you clean your house. Yeah. My wife said, Amazing. Um, forgive me, uh, I don't understand what you're saying. Gusta went on to explain that before she accepted the position and the job with us, and she was still back in Brazil, being a woman of faith before making such a big move in her life and making such a big decision, she went to her church and spoke with her pastor and prayed with the prayer group in her church. And on that day, she explained to my wife that during that prayer session, somebody had received a prophecy about the situation. And the prophecy was that if she went to America to work for this couple, at some point, as a result of that, the couple she was going to work for would come to faith in Jesus Christ, and at some point after that, they would become involved in ministry. Mm. And of course, my wife took this information and came back to me, and she said, honey, guess what Augusta said? She said, we're going to become born-again Christians in the future and become involved in ministry. Now, please understand, gentlemen, that, that at this point in time in my life, this was... This was something that caused me to start laughing very, very much. <laughs> you can only imagine. Mm -hmm. But um, that was 13 years ago, and five years ago my wife came to faith. One year after that I came to faith. One year after that I met the Luis Palau organization, and now I am working with that ministry full-time. Amen. What a fantastic testimony. It goes to show that God uses uh, uh, his people anywhere, no matter what you're doing. Amen. Fantastic. Hello? All right. Um, Stephen, I want you to speak directly now to our young people to invite them to this event. They're listening to you now. What do you want to say to them to encourage them to come to Passion Fest tomorrow, 4 p.m. to midnight at Arawaki? What do you want to say to our young people here to invite them out to this fest. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, it's been such a blessing for us to come here in such a short amount of time and be given this opportunity to do Passion Fest. It is something that um, 
you know, God has opened many, many doors very quickly to give us the opportunity and, and do this reality called Passion Fest. And really, the, what, what from our perspective, it's, it's really simply just a gift that we want to give to, uh, to the Bahamas. We want to come here and we want to give them uh, an opportunity to come see some amazing athletes, and some wonderful musicians. Uh, it's going to be very exciting and a lot of fun. Uh, and there's going to be, uh, obviously, a, a powerful message that comes along with it, a life-changing message that uh, we want to communicate to, to the young people. But again, we want to do this in a way that is uh, relevant and radical. We don't want to come to them and speak to them in a way that perhaps they don't relate to. Um, so we're coming to give them uh, uh, a very interesting, different to radical form of entertainment with the skateboarders. Uh, everywhere we go, we just did a 23-city tour in America in 2005, and with every city that we went to, the kids were just fascinated with these athletes. Uh, also, obviously, this, this hip-hop group, the Cross Movement, is something that has really been making more and more of a name for itself, even in the Bahamas. Uh, recently, that was expressed to me by several of the radio DJs here in the Bahamas. So, you know, really, the point of the festival, more than anything, is for people to just have a good time, have fun, and hear a very powerful message. And it's absolutely free. Uh, there's no ticket. There's, there's, there's no money exchange for anything. It's absolutely a free festival for anyone and everyone to come, parents, children, come and have a good time. In a worst-case scenario, the worst thing that can possibly happen is if you come, you're just going to have a good time. So we want to just invite anyone and everyone to come on out and join us. Fantastic. Well, listen, Stephen, we appreciate your taking this time to talk with us. And we appreciate your being here in Nassau with Passion Fest. And we will be praying that God will um, give us a, a mighty uh, movement tomorrow that many young people might come to place faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, friends, you've been listening to actor and now evangelist Stephen Bowman. And we, uh, he is with the ministry, uh, Living It, a skate ministry in United States Skateboard Ministry doing a tremendous work for God. Thank you, Stephen, and the Lord bless you. Okay, folks, we encourage you to come out, get the young people out to that. I'm sure you'll be blessed, and as he said, you'll also have a wonderful time. We're going to take a break, and then we'll come back, and we'll be looking at our subject, our topic for today, uh, and that, of course, is the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Was it really a miracle? Thank you. We're looking now at the question as to whether or not the, the birth of Jesus Christ was really a miracle. Was it really a virgin birth? We've already introduced our subject and we want to continue now in the few moments we have left with you. I want you to consider this for a moment as we anticipate celebrating Christmas. What really happened on that first Christmas evening? 
What event brought about such a tremendous paradigm shift in the history of our world? Because once Jesus Christ was born, all of the history of mankind was changed forever. What happened? Well, God the Father, through the agency of God the Spirit, fertilized, or if you wish, inseminated an egg within the womb of Mary with the human nature that would be added to the person of his already existing eternal son. But he did so without actually mixing him with his already present divine nature. Now, can you understand that? That sounds a little complex, doesn't it? But all it simply means is that God miraculously within the womb of Mary produced a human nature that he added to the nature of his eternal son without them being mixed. In other words, he was human 100%. He was God 100%. You see, that's the glory and the mystery of Christmas. That's the sacredness of the season that Christians must never lose. We must separate this sacred reality from the secular temporality of our commercialized and ever-increasing secularism of our contemporary culture and society. My friends, if we as Christians don't do this, I ask you, who will? Christians, not the unsaved, are responsible for creating and maintaining the Christian culture in our society. And that includes the Christian culture of Christmas. And there is a Christian culture of Christmas. And we must, we must, I say, impress that culture upon our culture today. We have already Christianized rock, rap, and reggae, reggae, reggae music, all of which in their inception was associated with the basic drives of those who had rejected God out of their lives. And the inception, some have changed it around, but in the inception, this was the case. Now, of course, we also have Christianized Junkanoo by adding biblical themes and church-sponsored floats to be paraded before our people to the beat of cowbells, goatskins, drums, and at the tune of Hold Him Joe, Mama No Want, No Peace, No Rice, and Going Down Burma Road. And we do it all in the name of Christ because of culture. The question we must ask in the midst of all of this, whose culture are we talking about? Christian culture or our own natural culture? A culture that is not based at all on the word of God or does not have as, a, as its objective the glory of God, but rather the pleasure of man. You see, my friends, if we, don't if we don't distinguish between the sacred and the secular, the holy and the profane, who will? And if it's one time we need to be involved in this exercise, it's during the Christmas time. And the same way it's true that all that glitters is not gold, so it is that during this time of the year that all that is Christmas is not necessarily Christian. And so in keeping with a personal tradition as a preacher and teacher of the Word of God, I want to continue to distinguish between the sacred and the secular aspects of Christmas. In fact, I want to separate the two as clearly as I can. 
And so I preached this same message every year around this time. And I am compelled to do so just by the very nature of the event that is commemorated and the significance of its cosmic impact. The incarnation of the Son of God, which qualifies him to die for the sin of the world, the sin of the entire world, of all humankind, of all time. That is the significance of the first Christmas. God becoming a man so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for the sin of mankind. And so my purpose for doing this is to try to get us to think in the right direction as Christians concerning the Christmas season. Not just as human beings, but as Christians who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ who came to earth on that first Christmas so long ago. And so for us, the emphasis must be upon the miraculous and supernaturalness of this event. Not on the natural, not on the physical or the ordinary. We must distinguish the sacred in the midst of the secular. Many people today celebrate Christmas as a holiday rather than as a holy day. We place an emphasis on getting together with the family so we can enjoy one another because they say Christmas is for the family. Is that so? Christmas is for the glory of God. It's to focus on the Son of God who loved us so much that he gave himself for us. That's what Christmas is all about, not us. Oh yes, there's no doubt we will benefit from it. In fact, we have in an amazing way. But it's not to celebrate us. It's not for us to have a good time about us. But rather it's about focusing on the love of God. A love that motivated him to give his only son. To become a human being without in any sense losing his divinity. So that as a man, a human man, he could offer himself as a perfect sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, paying the penalty for our sin. That's what Christmas is all about. And my friends, I say to you very pointedly, if you miss this, you miss Christmas. I don't matter how pious you might be. I don't, matter, I don't mind how many gifts you give to a, how many people you give them to. But if you don't focus on this first Christmas gift, Jesus Christ, then you've missed it all. Now, we're going to be continuing this next week, but as I close, let me ask you a question. You, no doubt, are right now busy trying to figure out what gifts you are going to buy for your family, your friends, your employer, your employees. You're busy asking, what gift can I buy these individuals, those who are important in my life? And that's a good thing, but let me ask you something. In all of your asking, are you asking this question? What gift will I give to Jesus Christ this Christmas? God gave his son as the first Christmas gift, an unspeakable gift. I ask you, as the guest of honor, Jesus Christ, what will you give him this Christmas? Will you give him yourself? Will you give him your service? Will you give him your life? If you've never received Jesus Christ as Savior, you need to do so 
this Christmas. That will be the most wonderful gift you can ever receive, the person of Jesus Christ. If you have already received him, then the greatest gift that you can give him is yourself. I encourage you to do that this Christmas. As always, this is Pastor Lee saying Sila. Think and act on these things. Motivation, inspiration, education, easy.